Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. You're not here by accident. I believe that God has called each and every one of us to be here for his purposes to be accomplished. And our heart's desire is that um, he would be well pleased as we surrender to him and allow him to do all that he desires to do in us. Man, he loves you. Oh, he loves you. You know, I can say these words over and over and over again and um, could never say them enough. But here's the truth. When the Holy Spirit gets hold of a word, something can happen. When the Holy Spirit touches a word from God, then something can happen that can totally transform us. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, and we're just desiring, I want to, I know it's already been prayer over the word, but I want to just uh, offer this time up to God again in prayer. And um, just want to encourage you, however you need to posture, just physical body, if it helps you to put hands out, palms up, or to bow your head, or what, but just posture yourself right now um, to present yourself as a living sacrifice that God can uh, flow into and flow through. Father, and God, we love you. We thank you for your perfect love for us, your perfect love. God, I thank you that your perfect love cast out fear. God, I thank you that your perfect love is life, light, it's healing. So God, we want to right now just continue our worship as we have worshiped in song and in prayer. God, we want to worship you in the word. Uh, we want to continue to exalt you as we lift up your word and as we allow you to speak to our hearts. So Spirit of the living God, continue to move in and through this place. God, cover us, Lord, and surround us with your presence. God, make our hearts, Lord, soft and open to your word. God, help our minds to be able to conceive that which goes beyond human understanding. God, give us ears to hear. And God, help us to walk faithfully in obedience to you. For your honor and for your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So what's with the buckets? Sweet time of worship of God in song and in prayer, um, and Mark comes out with two plastic buckets. Well, I'm gonna explain that right now. So first service, I uh, started, um, it's hard for me not to do puns, but like, um, but whatever I do would pale in comparison to these buckets, just seeing if anybody gets that. But you can't handle the truth, so I can't say too much. So, okay. So just a couple of things, because I needed to transition to this, because believe it or not, this is a really serious issue with these buckets here. Um, because what it's, these buckets are, they're referring to something that I became aware of many, many years ago, and it's um, a practice within a family that's dear friends of ours, and it's something called the bucket talk. And we're gonna have some bucket talk happening today in the service. So what the bucket talk means is this. 
is that the, uh, the father of this household was often in the garage on the lower level of their rancher. And uh, they had two teenage um, children and sometimes things came to a place where there was a serious conversation that needed to be had. And when a particular teenager came down in the garage where he was working, he would say, hey, pull up a bucket. We need to have a bucket talk. And dad would sit on the one bucket and teenager would sit on the other and there would be some discussion. Guess who talked more? Okay, you guys don't understand what this is yet. Okay, dad was communicating something pretty serious uh, to one of these youngins. Um, and it was, and it really, literally was a serious talk. It was something that was, um, had probably been building up over time, a situation that needed to be addressed. And uh, dad felt, now's the time and we need to have a bucket talk face to face. So the conversation was a conversation or it could be discussion. But um, you need to know that dad's um, guidance was certainly going to be heard. And there was a hope that that guidance would then produce a new direction in some area of life. It could be something very simple. It's like, you know, there's some things that need to be done around the house that you need to be doing. It could be something simple to that. It could be, uh, I'm a little concerned because I've seen some of the kids that you're hanging around with, some of your peers, and I'm concerned of what direction that could lead you in. Uh, It could be... um, any number of things, but it, whatever it was, it was a serious thing and it needed to be addressed. I know this isn't necessarily in scripture exactly like this, but God has bucket talks with us. Job 38.3, read that scripture and I think you see a bucket talk where God says to, to Job, Job 38, he said, brace yourself like a man. I'm gonna ask you some questions and you will answer me. That's a, that's a bucket talk. That's a really serious bucket talk because it's a face-to-face with God where there's this um, conversation that needs to happen and it's important that um, there be some tra- change and transformation that comes out of this talk. So what we're gonna be looking at today is um, something that I feel was a bucket talk. It's in John chapter three. We're continuing our journey uh, through the gospel of John and this bucket talk is with Jesus and Nicodemus. And I know that they didn't have the plastic five-gallon pails in that day, but it it was a bucket talk where they sat down and had a really serious conversation. And what I would like us to do is to join in on this conversation. And there are times through this that we're going to see that we're sitting on Nicodemus' bucket and we're hearing Jesus speaking to us. We need to hear the words that, that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. And we need to receive those words in. And then later in this time together, we're going to actually sit with Jesus on the other bucket and hear how he wants to speak his words through us to others. So this can only happen if, um, if, again, we can open up and just allow God to speak to us. Again, you're here on purpose. God's brought you here. And we're just going to trust that, again, that you hear what the word of God is to speak to you as the spirit of God brings life to it. So our topic for this bucket talk is probably the most important topic that can be on planet Earth. And it is this very thing, being born again. Now, for some people, and, and um, honestly, I hadn't even thought about this. I was talking with some others in preparation. Just seeing those words for some people creates a negative response. Because born again for some, they've had negative experiences where they felt like people were trying to drive this born again. You must be born again. And it was brought in a way that uh, was maybe um, pressuring. And, uh, it, but anyhow, for whatever reason, there's a defense that comes up when they hear those terms, those two words, born again. 
For others of us, it's um, their celebration. It's like, I am born again, and there's rejoicing in it. There's this joy of the Lord that comes just to think about being born again. But then there's another place that we can fall is that I've heard it, I know it, I've accepted it. What more is there? Well, I'm just trusting that you're gonna receive what God has for you about born again this morning. Because I believe that God wants to speak something to us personally this morning that is going to grow us, gonna draw us closer to him, and literally will bring transformation in our lives. You know, I've been um, sitting with this bucket for over 50 years. I mean, literally, when I was born again, I, I believe that I had an understanding and a reception of the word of God, and I was born again at a very young age. And I've been walking in this for all these decades, and I can tell you, I am still discovering the beauty of what it means to born again, be born again. And so I just want to invite you into this process. So what we're going to do is look at the word of God. We've prayed and we've offered this time up to God. We're going to be in John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first 15 verses. And I'm just going to read down through the passage at first. And then we're going to um, process through this passage and hear what God has to say to us together. Uh, so if you have your... Um, uh, your journals, it's, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. I'm also going to be projecting on the screen. Uh, but let's read down through John 3, verses 1 through 15. Scripture says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We're going to go back through this and, and journey through um, in sections as we look at this, but first I'd like to give us a different glimpse. Um, I'm very thankful that we were able to uh, reach out to the, um, the makers of the chosen. It's, uh, they, they have answers on their website. So uh, we were able to get permission from them to show a portion of the video from the chosen. So those that may not be familiar with it, how many people have seen any of the chosen? Okay, a number have. So the chosen is a TV series. Uh, it's the first time I believe that there's ever been like um, uh, a series put together like this. The first season has already been made and they're, they're, uh, I think they're still working on the second. I'm not sure the process. But it's multiple seasons that are going, going to have a TV series following Jesus' life and seeing Jesus' life through people that were around him. Now, this, um, The Chosen is strongly biblically based. 
Uh, it's historically they went back into the context and, um, and there's, there's so much that just helps bring the, the gospels alive to us as we look at it. Now obviously again, it's based on scripture and there are some, um, some suppositions about here's how these people may have uh, interacted with one another and that type of thing. But what it does, it helps us put flesh on the gospel. That helps us to see that, that the conversation that we just read was between two real people, Jesus the son of God and Nicodemus who was a Pharisee. Uh, so you can watch the, any parts of The Chosen or all The Chosen for free. Again, it's available. Uh, you can download their app and then, and then stream it on different devices. Uh, but we have the opportunity now to visit this conversation. Uh, so I'm going to direct your attention to the screens as we uh, see this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's going to start right away, and you're going to recognize right away uh, which one is which. So that may have been what that conversation looked like. Again, there were words added, but we know that, you know, John says that what he presents here was just a small part of all that Jesus said and that he did. And one of the things that helps me so much, again, is to see a human interaction, which is exactly what this was. But it was a human interaction between one that has been born of man and one born of God, who is God. So what we're going to be doing is, is walking through this conversation, and as we do, there are three things that I would like I'm trusting that will happen as we journey through this together. The first is that, that, that we're going to see the extraordinary simplicity of being born again. It's extraordinarily simple. We also need to see that it's profoundly mysterious. It's so important that we, that we see both of these. And third, hopefully we'll see what God desires to do for us in this time of looking at what it means to be born again. So the simplicity, the mystery, and again, the application, what does God desire this morning for us to do with this word? So we're going to look at the first two verses, John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. John says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. A few things that we want to look at is, first of all, who is this Nicodemus? So again, the scripture tells us that he's a Pharisee, and he's also um, a ruler of the Jews. So the Pharisees, uh, some people estimate, some scholars estimate that there may have been 6,000 Pharisees in that day, but the Pharisees were, were people who had set aside their lives to follow every detail of the law. They were the ones that implemented the word of God. Now what happened is that they took the, the law of God in the Torah and they added specific applications. So for instance, um, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, then they would explain, well that means you can do this, do this, but you can't do that. And it got down to details, even to the extent of you could only walk so many steps on the Sabbath. That's the way they, they were applying the word of God. So they again added their definition of what it meant to fulfill the law. Um, you could tie certain kinds of knots, but certain other kinds you couldn't on the Sabbath. So, I mean, that's how specific it got. And these Pharisees, they, again, they were committed. Their hearts were to follow the law of God. They wanted to be in obedience and even lead others into following the law of God exactly. Uh, but again, they, they were misguided. Their hearts were, were toward God, but yet um, they, they, they were missing some things. This guy was not only a Pharisee, Nicodemus was also, again, part of the, of the ruling council, which many believe that he was part of, this, of the Sanhedrin, which was a, a group of 70 overseers that were basically the Supreme Court of the Jews. So they had the responsibility to, um, to check on things that were happening 
in their nation to see whether or not they were of God or not. So when you have Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, and some of you may have made that connection, Nick at night. Okay. Um, that's, I don't think that's where it came from. I, I don't know. But, but he, he came to him at night. Uh, some people believe that he was trying to kind of sneak in under the radar. He wanted, didn't want it to be exposed that he was talking to Jesus. Um, but some people also believe that this was a chance for a one-on-one where they could have conversation and he could make a determination because he's speaking on behalf of a group when he says that, that Rabbi, we know. So he's not just representing himself. He's speaking on behalf of a group when he makes that statement. So he very well may have been coming, be, been coming to evaluate, you know, is this person truly um, you know, a, a true prophet or a false prophet? Do we need to protect the people from this Jesus or do we put our stamp of approval on him? So one thing that, that I really want you to notice is that, again, we can read this passage, and it's easy to read through just the words and feel that Nicodemus just, he's a little slow and he doesn't get it. But we need to understand that, 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 it's, that he's, he's been part of a system and he's part of a worship of God that has built some very tight boxes. And Jesus is trying to open up the door so that he, that he can understand the fullness of what God has come to do through Jesus Christ. But one of the things that I really want to, that we need to commend Nicodemus for is that even as he addressed Jesus, he said, Rabbi. So here is a person who is high up in the Jewish uh, hierarchy as far as um, those that are highly respected, and he's addressing Jesus as rabbi, as teacher. And he's saying that because we have seen you do the miraculous, we believe that, you, that God is with you that, you, that God has sent you. He's not declaring that he's Messiah, but he's saying that we believe that what you have done shows that you are from God, that God is with you, and God has sent you here. So that sets up the conversation. Next, we move into these, these next four verses, and we're gonna spend some time unpacking these. And I've underlined a few things that we wanna to, want to particularly look at. So Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus responds and said, how can a man be born when he was old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So when Jesus is saying truly, truly, first of all, let me ask you this. Did Jesus ever say anything that was not true? No, he's God. Every word that he he spoke was true. He cannot lie. God is not a man that, that he can lie. So Jesus, everything he's saying was true, but yet when he said truly, truly, there's a certain emphasis that's, that's being placed here. Some translations will say very truly or verily, verily, I say to you. And what it's like is this, is that sometimes at the end of a sentence or at the end of a prayer, um, we'll say amen, which means like, so be it. Okay, it's an, a word of agreement. What Jesus is saying here, he's like putting amen at the beginning. And he's saying like, I'm telling you, you need to pay special attention because I'm coming with authority, and he's saying, like, I know the truth. In fact, he's even speaking even to a point that says, I'm the origin of truth, okay? So when Jesus is sitting on this bucket, he's coming from a place of, of, of a word of authority that needs to be listened to. So in this passage, uh, the this first 15 verses of chapter three, Jesus three times is saying, truly, truly, listen up. I am the truth, I'm bringing you the truth, I am the origin of truth. You need to hear what I'm saying. And what he's saying has eternal consequences for all of us. So what does he say? Truly, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What we're going to be looking at here is the born again part and then the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, it may seem like Jesus was kind of jumping around like Nicodemus said, we know that you're from God for we see the signs that you do. And then Jesus jumps into this and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It almost seems like there's a disconnect, but yet there's a beautiful flow. Because Nicodemus is acknowledging that you're sent from God. Jesus is saying, here's how you find God. Here's how you become part of the kingdom of God. You must be born again. So we're going to look at born again. Born again is a term that's not used exactly that way throughout the New Testament a lot, but yet synonyms are, they're exactly what Jesus is saying. When you hear about being saved, when you're talking about being a new creation, regeneration, these are, these are terms that are used throughout the New Testament a lot. They're speaking of this very thing of being born again, what Jesus has defined here as born again. So as the, in this conversation, Nicodemus, again, his, um, I mean, his response at first, again, seems a little odd, like born again, like are you saying repeat physical birth? I mean, it seems a little absurd, but yet didn't Jesus say you must be born again? But what Jesus, when Jesus said born again, he's not saying be born again in the same way that you were born. He's saying be born again, be born a second time into a new life. In fact, translations, the original actually goes back and says that, that when Jesus said this, he said you must be born from above. So I want you to look at, again, the physical birth. And what we see in the physical birth is that um, the transfer from one state of being and living into a completely different state of living and being, right? So inside the, the womb of the mother, there is one existence of, of, of physical being, but when birth happens, there's a, there's a total transfer into another existence of another form of being. It's the same person, but, but being brought to this new life, living outside of the womb in a completely different way. There's dependency, but a different kind of dependency. There's a being cared for, but a different kind of being cared for. Well, even as that transfer happens in physical birth, there's an even greater transfer that happens in the spiritual birth when we are born again. That we are taken, and we've often said this, we're taking, taken from literally death into life, from darkness into light. So, I mean, this, tra- this, this transition is an incredible transition. And it actually takes significant travail. We see the travail was in Christ as he gave himself to be the way, but yet even in prayer, and, and, for, and for some of us, there's a tremendous struggle as we're going through that birthing process in, into the new birth. So that's being born again. When we are born again, we become children of God. Now, one thing that I've, um, I know I've addressed before, and, and it, it may kind of, yeah, it may not sit right with some things that you've heard before. But we are not children of God until we are born again. There's a statement that you sometimes hear is that we're all children of God. The reality is that we are all the creation of God. We are all from God. But yet we are not born physically as children of God, as it's talking here. When we were born, even though the cute little baby looks so innocent and, uh, and, and truly is, the reality, though, is that we're born into a state of death spiritually not because of what we done, we've done, but because we're, we're born with a, with a sinful nature that we're bo- born into a fallen world. And, you know, we don't see it right away in babies, but as babies get older and they start to mature, we see the sinful nature start to come out, right? Um, it, it happens. 
Now, again, understand that this born again is that you need to be at a place old enough that you can understand and you can receive and you can comprehend this message. So we do believe that, that again, that, that those that are too young uh, to make this decision to understand that, that, that God's grace covers, covers those. But being born again is being birthed into the family of God, that God becomes your father. Jesus is your brother. Literally, you belong to a new family. Now, the thing is that we've had no choice about our family of origin. Nobody chose their mom and dad, right? I mean, you were, we were birthed just because we were birthed, okay? I'm not saying you wouldn't choose them, but, um, but, but we were just birthed. And, then, and when we were, were born, we automatically took, took on characteristics. We had certain tendencies because of our natural birth. We need to hear this, is that when we are born again, we take on the tendencies of our new father. When we are born again, we become of him. We are the offspring of God himself. Let that settle. In fact, we need to not only sit in that, we need to stand in that. That whatever, whatever we were birthed into in the physical realm, when we were in God, we are a new creation, we were born from above. So Jesus then gives us this description, and he says that we, uh, we're born of water and the Spirit, right? Okay, he said that, um, he said, how can a man be born again? In verse five, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So being born of water and the Spirit has multiple interpretations, and I've studied, and, and there, there's validity to a lot of ways to walk through this. I mean, I've often thought, and many theologians believe that being born of water means natural birth, and being born of the Spirit means then that being regenerated, be born of the Spirit. And that is truly true, is that we need both in order to be born again. But there's another part to it, and, and some, uh, again, going back to the original, it says that, that some translations will actually say that, that being born of water by the Spirit that it connects those two, that the, the water is often representative of the Holy Spirit, and that when we are born again, that water is the cleansing that takes away the sin of our past, that it's that cleansing, and the Spirit is the power that gives us the ability to live above sin, that sin no longer has dominion in us, that we truly are called, again, from that, that life of sin into a life of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is what being born again is. It's being that, that transfer. John chapter one, we read this right in the, in the offset of our study of John. John chapter one, verses 12 and 13 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but born of God. This is born again. So what we're, what we're born into then, again, you, you cannot see or you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you were born again. So the born again is the pathway, it's the entrance, it's how we get into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? When you look at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus really gave a description when he was teaching the disciples to pray, when he said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is where the will of God is carried out in complete perfection. So what happens for us is that when we are born again, his kingdom enters into us. Now, it's in the process of growing, so giving ourselves to the rule of God. So it's not just a prayer that we pray. It's a surrender of our hearts, right? I mean, it's giving ourselves. It's saying, you are now my God. 
Your kingdom is being established inside of my heart and in my life. So that prayer then again is the kingdom of God come and rule and reign in me. Now that's, that then we've talked about the sanctification as we're more and more submitting to God's will in our lives, fulfilling his desires, walking in his way. When we do that as a community, we see the kingdom of God being built in the body of Christ. When as together we're following God's will and walking in his way, following his desires, we see that kingdom of God being, being built up. So ultimately, we enter into that kingdom and we live in his perfect will and his kingdom reigns supremely when there is a new heaven and new earth. The sat- Satan is, is done. He's put away. We're going to experience that kingdom in its fullness for all of eternity. We're in process at this point, but we need to be born again in, in order to enter. 1 Peter 1.23 says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The next two verses Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, for the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is something about born again that has been, just as I've been preparing for today and through this morning. Think of the wind, the mystery of the wind. Now we deal with the this every day because we look at weather forecast. Trying to predict the wind. How are the air currents gonna move? What is it going to produce? We see the effects, but we don't understand where it comes from, where it's going. Yes, we can try to, track, to trace and to track, but yet even in the natural, how can we discern it? How can we understand it? We see the effects, we live with what happens as a result, but yet there's mystery. And I don't care how smart man ever becomes, I don't think they're ever going to be good weather forecasters. And, and if anyone's a weather forecaster, God bless you. Um, I, I'm not, I hope I'm not, I don't seem like I'm throwing stones. I just know we all need to make decisions based on what it is, but you, know, you can't get it right. It's impossible. There's percentages, I understand. But the wind blows. We don't know where it comes from, where it's going but yet we see the effects we hear. So it is, listen to this, so it is of everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the mystery. Because the Spirit of God moves and he blows and directs and guides and manifests himself in ways that go beyond our understanding. And you know, I'm concerned sometimes that we can say, I've been born again, and we build a little box of what this born again looks like, and we settle in it. And Jesus says, And we're saying, wait, that's not what I signed up for. It is. We signed up for him. And him scares us sometimes. It can scare us because it, it stretches, he stretches us, he moves us. And the thing is, here is that we can look at Jesus' life and see how this manifests. Think about it. The wind, we don't know where it comes from, where it's going, but we see its effects. We look at Jesus' life and there's so much that Jesus did that all you can say, the Spirit of God led him to do this. The Spirit of God led him here. The Spirit of God put this power on him and it manifested in this way. So it is of everyone who is born in the Spirit, are we letting the wind of the Spirit blow in our lives moment by moment? Are we really surrendering moment by moment saying, Jesus, have your way. 
Do whatever you want. Now, whatever he does is 100% in accordance with the word of God. Whatever he does is manifested in love, for he is love. But this is mystery, profound mystery that we live in, and it's a beautiful mystery. I mean, Scripture even, even uh, again, says about this mystery of Christ in us. So, this quote, uh, Ben shared a commentary with me, and he said this, we cannot harness, this commentary said, we cannot harness or control the Spirit of God any more than we can the wind. Now, what I want to add to this is that the Word of God says that all things are decently in order. God is a God of structure. He's a God of, of, of order, and yet we cannot contain him. We cannot allow, again, ourselves to build this box that limits God in our lives. So here's the thing. Like, do we, when we think about born again, we think about being saved, and that means I'm, I'm settled as far as my eternity. But are we embracing the mystery of being born again in the profound way that God desires to move in and through us moment by moment, day by day, every moment that we're here. So this leads me to a part of the bucket talk that um, I've stepped into very, very carefully. But I want us to sit on the bucket with Jesus and let Jesus ask this question. Are you born again? We need to let Jesus ask us that question. Am I born again? Now for some of us, our response would be, I prayed a prayer, yes. Please don't take this out of context, a prayer is not enough. I want you to understand it, and I'm not condemning a prayer's part, but here's the thing, is that for us to become gods, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts. There has to be a transfer of allegiance and of ownership. But to be born again, there's a supernatural part, there's that mystery of surrendering to the Spirit of God is what truly gives us life. You know, I think sometimes we've, we've thought, we've prayed the prayer so we're good to go, but yet life doesn't change. And we need to answer this question with Jesus' help, am I born again? So, when I've stepped into this area, I was wanting to be very careful because I don't, want every, I don't want people to go from here questioning their salvation. Straight up. I was hesitant to even go here at all, honestly. Yet at the same time, it could be a worse thing if we walk out of here assuming that we're okay and we're not alive yet. The Spirit of God loves us and He's calling us. And if there's something that's causing you to question inside, then just put it before God. I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I want you to just, I want to convince you to listen to the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 13 
Scripture says this, that we are to examine ourselves and see whether we are in the, in the faith. Paul specifically speaking to this church. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that, that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? He's saying we need to be, if we can't examine ourselves and come away with peace and know for certainty, then we need to keep examining. And we need to bring before God because this is not a word of condemnation. It's not a word saying, you know, I don't want you in here. It's no, it, this is a word of invitation saying, you know, if, you're, if you haven't found the life of God, please, please let God bring you into new life. So we can ask ourselves some questions like, is my life manifesting the kingdom of God? Is Christ truly at the center of my heart? Is my desire after the things of God or after the things of the world? And I understand we're a mixed bag, but we need to look at it and say, like, what's, what's the dominant, what's my heart seeking after for? Is it predominantly God or is it predominantly the world? Have I received the life of Christ that he is desiring to impart to me? And I'm gonna just pray a prayer and it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily a salvation prayer, but just let's pray together and just say, God, examine me. Look, help me to see myself as you see me and help me to see what you are offering me. I encourage you to bow your, your heads and your hearts with me. God, thank you for your great love. God, we are overwhelmed, Lord, at who you are and of your great love for us. God, that you could love a sinner such as us. God, how wonderful you are. And God, we want to experience the fullness of your life. We want to experience your life in us and through us. So God, I just pray that you would help each of us just to simply be bold enough to be honest with you and to ask you, Jesus, am I born again? Have I surrendered my heart to you? God, is the fruit of my commitment to you seen in the way that I live? Are you, God, the center of my heart? From my heart, are you coming in righteousness and goodness? God, in my words, in my actions, are you being seen? So God, we just ask that you would help us. Lord, wherever we see ourselves, God, help us to see that you are drawing us that you are desiring to impart eternal life to us. God, impart the faith to us that we need. Thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He is good. He has provided for us and he loves us. He's desiring just to show us. I lean heavily on Romans chapter eight. Apostle Paul gave us this encouragement. He said this in verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that is why, and by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. Listen to this, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And this is the assurance that we have when we are his, that we know that we know that we know that we are his because his spirit is alive within us. Going on, Nicodemus said to Jesus, 
How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you of earthly things you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. This again is invitation to Nicodemus, not condemnation. He's helping Nicodemus to become aware of the spiritual transaction that must take place. So there are things that the natural mind cannot comprehend. That we can only comprehend the things of the Spirit as the Spirit quickens us. Now the thing was, is, is if you look at it, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross and died for sin. He, since he had not yet been resurrected, he had not yet gone to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was giving Nicodemus the truth that in order to understand, we have to go beyond natural understanding. We need to trust, it, trust in God and ask God to give us understanding that can only come from him. The human mind cannot receive the truth of God. It's only when the spirit quickens us that we can be made alive, that we can understand these truths and we need to surrender and say, Spirit of God, speak to me. Open my mind, open my heart. Help me to see you. So in the same way, this gospel that is so simple, we need to present this gospel in a simple way. We need to present this simplicity that Jesus brought to Nicodemus. That it's necessary, you must be born again means that there is no other way if you want to enter the kingdom of God. We also must understand that this is a profound mystery that we need to be interceding, we need to be praying, we need to be in travail. That hearts and minds will be open that the spirit of God would quicken and bring to life that which can only come to life through him. So we sit on two buckets. So we sit on Nicodemus's bucket to hear Jesus speak these words. And even though this was, again, invitation to Nicodemus, it continues to be invitation to us that we will walk more fully in the reality of this new birth, this new life that we have in and through God, that we are his children, that we've been birthed into the kingdom through his spirit and through his word. We also need to sit on Jesus' bucket because Jesus is not here physically in the flesh, but he is present in us. And we need to be able to take this word, this gospel of truth, and be able to share it with those that need it because for all people everywhere, the same truth is true. That in order to enter to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Not just for everybody in this room, not just for everybody that was in first service, for every person. We need to be able to share this truth. So what I wanna encourage you to do this week is to first look at fresh eyes at your own salvation experience or your born again experience. Just marvel, settle, allow the, this, to, uh, this experience to become more real and deep, deeply implanted in you. And thank God for this miraculous gift of him giving himself to you placing his very life inside of you. I need to say this over and again, partially for you and partially for me. Almighty God lives inside of you. The creator of the universe is resident within your body. Thank God, allow that life to become more and more real. Praise God, thank him. And then, 
uh, work with God, and this is how I put it, work with God in putting into your own words how to share with someone what it means to be born again. Because the thing is that you've heard it, we've all heard it many times, but have we, right now, do we feel like if, if there's an opportunity in front of us, could we share with somebody what does it mean to be born again? So I wanna encourage you to work, work on this with God. I mean, literally practice, write it out. And it doesn't mean that, that if you have the opportunity, that's exactly what you're gonna say, but it's gonna help prepare you for when you have the opportunity because I believe that God wants to open the doors for all of us to share this message in a simple and profound way so that others can come to know God and be his children. So for this coming week, that's what I would encourage you to do and, and continue to read through John chapter three, the passages, passages that we've looked at today, as well as the coming verses. And finally, I wanna look at verses 14 and 15. Jesus explained to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus was pointing back to Numbers chapter 21 where the children of God became um, discontent, complaining against God, against Moses. And God sent judgment. God sent judgment. Judgment comes in order to bring us back into alignment. God sent judgment and serpents were going throughout the camp and biting the Israelites and those that were bitten were dying. And Moses interceded on behalf of those very people who complained against him Isn't that God's heart? Moses interceded and God gave the solution. The solution is this. Make a serpent and put it on a pole. So Moses crafted this bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and when it was lifted up, people would look to that bronze serpent and would be healed. The bite of the serpent was no longer deadly. And Jesus explained, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And we've been bitten from birth with the serpent, the deadly venom of sin. We're dying. And it's incredible the way back in the Old Testament that Jesus, or you know, God took this, serpents that were causing death, then the solution was a serpent, death itself. And God became man, dwelt among us, and addressed our issue of death by dying for us. That he took upon himself our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Our only solution is to look at him who was lifted up. To understand that that death that Jesus died was payment for my sin. To look to him and to be saved. So as we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts, we trust in the work of Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Jesus has instructed us to remember the gift of his life is through communion. If you would take your elements out, if anybody did not pick up elements, could you please raise your hand and we'll make sure that you receive So we've been preparing for communion as we've been going through, the, going through this passage. I'd like to read from 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul gives instruction. He says these words that sometimes we, we may kind of bypass. But in verse 27, Paul gives this instruction. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty against sinning be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Jesus is calling us to the solemnness of this moment that we need to present ourselves before God and we need to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. It's a holy moment when we acknowledge, when we receive these elements for we're remembering the death of Jesus Christ for our sins. I'm just going to ask that you sit with the Spirit of God for a moment. And according to Scripture, just examine yourself. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. God, we thank you that you call us to examine ourselves in the light of you. God, because as things are brought to light, we thank you that you who are the light brings forgiveness, brings healing, brings power for victory. Thank you the wind of your spirit that blows in a way beyond what we can comprehend. So God, as we've examined ourselves with you, we honor the death of Jesus Christ for our sin. We acknowledge that it was our death that was taken upon God. We do this, Lord, with confidence that victory has been won, has been declared that it is finished. Jesus, that you rose from the dead in our life now. It's with thanksgiving that we take these elements and receive together at the Lord's table. For Paul declares that I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. Lord Jesus, the same night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. account goes on to say that in the same way after supper Jesus took the cup and he said this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's drink together
Thank you, Jesus. Life is in the blood. We can only have eternal life because of the shed blood of Christ for our sin. We praise you. Would you now join with me as we continue to worship in song and lift up the one who gave his life for us. Only Jesus can do the work that needs to be done in our lives. His work is finished on the cross. And he is desiring to bring his work in us to completion. As the wind blows and you do not know where it comes from, where it's going, so it is. If he that is born again, allow the Spirit of God to blow in your life, to lead you and guide you. Let his word come to life in you. Answer Jesus' invitation to some bucket talks. And know that when Jesus sits down with you, he has one thing in mind. It is your best. He's desiring for you to discover the life that he has prepared for you. When Jesus speaks a strong word, it's a word of love because he sees more in you than you see in yourself. So we're gonna just let the wind continue to blow a little bit. The Spirit of God lead and guide you. And um, Some of you may feel called just to sit. Some of you may feel called to go to someone to pray. Some of you may be, feel called to ask somebody to pray for you specifically in regards to how God is speaking to your heart. Let the wind blow. Let the Spirit move. Let Him do what He desires to do in your life. Know that God loves you. He's offering life abundant, eternal, everlasting for you. God bless you. God love you. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.